0: Welcome to the Why on Earth Community's Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. Today, we have the opportunity to visit with Stone Hunter. Hey, Stone. Hey. How's it going?
1: Good. Happy to be here.
0: We're really excited. Today, we get to get a tour of an amazing sustainable-built house that Stone recently constructed. And before we start on our tour, let me just tell you a little about Stone's background. He is a biodynamic farming practitioner and former consultant at Sustainable Settings Ranch in Carbondale, Colorado, which is, I think, where we met. It is. Yeah. He's born and raised at Sunrise Ranch uh, and attended the River Song Waldorf School and later graduated from the International Baccalaureate program in Fort Collins, Colorado. After attending Evergreen State College and working on permaculture-based projects in Costa Rica and Panama. He began farming in 2013 at Happy Heart Farm in Fort Collins. In 2015, Stone began working at Sustainable Settings where he completed a 2-year North American biodynamic apprenticeship program training with experience in dairy cattle operations, holistic grazing, grain cultivation, draft horse implementation, stone masonry, CSA gardening, green construction, natural beekeeping and more stone facilitated the project management of the arise permaculture action days in 2015 16 and 17. currently he lives in paonia colorado and is working with skyhawk construction building straw bale passive solar homes while teaching and participating within the permaculture and biodynamic movements and uh, stone it's so great to have this opportunity to visit with you and get a sense of what goes into a heart-centric process of building a super high-performing uh, sustainable building, so welcome. Thank you,
1: thanks. Yeah, exciting to share a little bit about what we're doing in uh, this small little town of Paonia in the mountains of Colorado, um, where fortunately we do have uh, some looser building uh, codes, but everything we build is up to code and beyond. Um, and this house we're standing in front of is a straw bale home. Uh, not load-bearing, There, there's uh, structures around the window bays and then there's a box beam. It's a two-story straw bale home and there's a box beam on top of it that is compressed down. So we can get into some of the logistical layouts of how we actually build these homes. But I would like to just say that these homes we're building uh, are designed by uh, Viva La Vida Foundation that's based here in Peonia, and uh, they're designed as therapeutic homes. Oh wow! So they're they're um, designed with elements, the materials we use, the design elements, and the community efforts that uh, come into building these homes are really about creating uh, vibrant spaces that we can live in, spaces that will actually uh, make us feel better. Uh, in our bodies, in our minds, in our hearts to be in them uh, and also be built with non-toxic materials because we want li- uh, the spaces that we inhabit to be full of life and to, and to feed our creativity, um, give us good sleep, um, and also be good for the earth and the materials that we're used to build them.
0: You know, it's so important. I know that uh, some of my friends and colleagues at the U.S. Green Building Council have published all kinds of materials and studies indicating a variety of, of, of health and uh, respiratory problems uh, tied directly to the sort of mainstream building materials we've been using over the last several decades. Many of the finishes, many of the uh, actual uh, framing materials, the carpets, et cetera, are off-gassing all kinds of carcinogenic uh, chemicals, basically. And we know this is one of the contributors to high rates in uh, childhood asthma so to have, instead, natural materials, which of course is what our species is used to going back in time, um, obviously is going to have a tremendous health benefits on the physical level. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like you're also doing beautiful things with the design aesthetic and the energetics of the space. To affect us also on the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, the psychological levels.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, yes. So we're paying attention to uh, the materials that we use and where they're sourced from. Um, for instance, in a lot of the detailing work, we've been using these BioShield products that mm-hmm. I believe actually originate in Germany. But um, unfortunately, that they have to come from so far, but they're. There's almost no VOC, no, no volatile, um, organic compounds, organic compounds coming off. Yeah. And, and so we'll paint, uh, you know, finish wood with that and stuff. So it's, there's little, you know, we're just paying attention to those kind of materials we use when we have to get them from another source. Yeah. Um, but most of the home that we're looking at it is built out of straw as the, pri- as the primary insulation, sand and clay and so there's an uh, adobe uh, lime actually plaster on the outside and we mix that up there's a man here in town named Kale who is the uh, the lead on all the natural plasters and the earthen floors inside and uh, we were mixing those up on site using sand, local sand, clay, uh, water and then mixing in some lime for that outside mm-hmm. and there's three coats on the outside a rough coat that covers the the straw and the, the diamond lap that surrounds the window box. Um, and then there's a brown coat that's a leveling coat. And into that brown coat, we actually inserted some uh, specific preparations that Viva La Vida has imported from Italy, um, from the, the uh, Novaterra community. is a community based in Italy. And the Vidar is a company. That uh, makes agricultural and um, architectural therapeutic homeopathic products um, specific to concrete, to plaster, to paints, and beyond. And so we put these preparations both into the concrete in the foundation of the building and also into the plaster uh, in the walls and into the paints that uh, we did that painted the drywall. and these these products are essentially therapeutic, um, homeopathic products to affect the more subtle, qualitative, um, energetic dynamics of the materials that we're using. Yeah. Are these in effect similar to biodynamic preparations? Very similar. Wow. Very, yeah, okay. and they originated. Um, the man who designed these, uh, Enzo Nastati, is kind of the the, the teacher. Uh, and the inspiration for the Viva La Vida Foundation and he's been working for 40 years uh, in Europe based out of Italy, uh, was the head of Demeter um, in Italy, which is the biodynamic um, certifying uh, agent in Italy and then moved on from there to creating his own products inspired by the biodynamic uh, preparations and the work of Rudolf Steiner and Anthroposophy. So these products are coming from from that source, and we've had a. Uh, uh, it, it's been a powerful process just to incorporate these preparations, uh, these products into our plasters, into our concrete. When a concrete, when the concrete truck came in and poured this foundation, which is pretty massive, this foundation is actually uh, formed in the shape of a pedestal of a capital. So it's oh. it's almost like a rhombus. So the base of the foundation is a lot bigger than the top and the top is already pretty wide because it needs to uh, support the straw bales that are 16 inches in width. Yep. So the top is about 16 inches and I think the base is more like three feet wow. and there's a specific golden mean ratio that was used uh, in, for the form of that foundation and that, spe- that was designed in that way more for the uh, facilitation of the earthly forces, the earthly um, ground, so to speak, and and, uh, you could call it the Schumann resonance, you know, the field, the energetic qualities uh, that are present in the earth and that are streaming up from the earth. We want to facilitate the ascent of those forces up into the house, much in the way that a tree grows and has its kind of base that's a little wider and funnels up kind of into the trunk of the tree. We're incorporating that um, that dynamic and form through the foundation to come up into the house. So even the,
0: the simple
1: concrete foundation has
0: so much going on uh, beyond your typical conventional comb. Uh, the, the shape, the geometry, the preps, wow, it's, it's an alchemical structure really.
1: It is, it, yeah, and, and a lot of the work is based in alchemy and the understanding of working with these elements um, in the elemental table, not just in, uh, in a physical sense, but in a, in a qualitative, energetic sense. There's a very intentional layout for the house. Right now, we're standing on the south end, uh, and the door here is on the south side of the house, uh, along with four windows. And there's a very practical, um, you know, passive solar aspect to that in terms of this straw bale house is super insulated, being built out of straw bales but also when we're getting this passive solar gain from the south side that you know heats up uh, the home um, when the windows are open uh, in the winter and with the, the lower angle of the sun to the south uh, during the winter time. Um, and so we're getting a lot of passive gain, but there's also an energetic quality to having the, the door open to the south. And in our studies, we talk about how there's a, a current that moves from the south that we call the current of bios, or or life, that life kind of moves from the south. And we know if we go south towards the equator, the abundance of life that is present there. Um, And so incorporating this into our homes, and we do it in our farms and gardens to try and enter in from the south, because when we enter in from the south, we're entering in with the life, and we're also inviting the life into our homes, into our gardens. Um, and so uh, I like to speak about pairing both the, the functional, maybe more practical, maybe more materialistic understanding with also a qualitative, energetic, you know, feng shui or ha- harmonic understanding of these other elements. So the, the layout of the house incorporates some of these directional components. We enter in from the south. And if we were to imagine a kind of square, just like the house is based on the square, there's a quadrant, and, and we could place the four elements in each quadrant, starting with the fire in the, south, in, the, in the southeast, and that's where we find the kitchen in the home. Then moving to the southwest, we have the air element, and that's where the living room is, an upstairs uh, bedroom. And then in the northwest, we have the water quadrant, and that's where all the plumbing comes into the house, all the water is, and the two bathrooms on the first story and the second story are located in that water quadrant of the northwest, and then the earth quadrant is in the northeast, and the staircase is in that region, um, as well as uh, storage. So... We're incorporating some of this, these alchemical elements into the layout of the house and then into the materials and the building process. Beautiful.
0: Well, what do you think? Should we go inside? Let's go inside. That'd be great.
1: Taking note as we go in, this uh, entry post, we've been trying to uh, take off any sharp corners. So they, these posts were routed down just to be a little smoother, a little more inviting.
0: Um, nice 45 degree angle on there right? Yep, yep. So. and
1: ideally it could have even been a little stronger mm. um, But you'll see as we enter into the house That we've really done our best to try and minimize uh, As many right angles as possible And even the, the right angles you'll see uh, A theme in this house is the, this rhombus So in a sense it's a diamond or a square It's a square but you're facing the point And so it's all based on your orientation to it and when you encounter that square that's been turned 90 degrees and now it's a diamond or a rhombus that you're facing it's much more dynamic mm-hmm. and in living mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. these windows from the outside you can see there's this straw bale relief around and there's a very specific angle between the outside and the inside and that's where the light enters into the building and we've done this nice golden mean uh, triangular kind of relief above the windows yeah. um, all to facilitate the exchange of light from the outside to the inside yeah and it's beautiful how thick the walls are
0: right it's a property of straw bales obviously. yes very uh, thick means very th- it's a high-performing building in terms of its uh, thermal properties
1: huge thermal massing and we can feel for, uh, for listeners as we're entering into this house it's notably cooler at mm-hmm. least five Five, seven degrees cooler and that's without any ac or any uh you know swamp cooler or anything that's just the the thermal mass in uh, the insulative properties of the straw bale home beautiful and we shift from a, a, a lime uh, plaster on the outside here to a, a marble um, lime plaster on the inside that's much smoother and very light Oh, yeah, it's much
0: cooler in here. Very mm-hmm. comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's quite warm outside
1: today. Yeah. So, this house. Oh, beautiful. There were a number of artesian uh, craftsmen that, yeah. that helped in this house, and I was just mostly a, a laborer uh, working and learning the straw bale building, the natural plasters, um, and some carpentry. Um, that ironwork is a spectacular absolutely it's exquisite yeah and so this this metal working was done by a, a man named Ira Glass who uh, lives here in, in Peonia Hotchkiss area and is an incredible metal worker mm. we also have tile work that was done here by a man named Chad who's a part of the Viva La Vida Foundation work um, and then we're standing here on the first story on this earthen floor yeah. um, that's pretty unique not not very many homes have these kind of floors they're more popular down in new mexico arizona um, and essentially this was also made out of sand clay water some straw um, and also preparations uh, that we put into the floor and it has radiant tubing so there's radiant tu- tubing that was put down uh, in this floor so it can be heated up um, through through the, um, the heating system right currently there's not any hot water heating uh, solar hot water heating mm. plugged up there's only an on demand water heater yeah. um, but that could easily be um, added on at a future time
0: Now I know more and more of our our audience are Becoming familiar and even practicing uh, grounding, right? Taking off our shoes and yes. walking on the soil on the land. And I'm wondering, in a building like this, do we get a similar effect? We right, do right here. That's yeah, incredible. yeah.
1: You, if you're barefoot on this hmm. on this earth, you're grounded. Um, that Schumann resonance, that ionic exchange is happening. Yeah. Um, and the woman who currently lives here, named Mia, is a very sensitive. You know a beautiful woman who, who works with Bibla Vida and it's, she speaks about that a lot as mm-hmm. just being grounded. All, it's always barefoot downstairs here. So that, that element is present. Um, yeah, beautiful. And we also see, if we come over to the bathroom, some really nice tile work done by Chad. And there's a rhombus-type sh- shaped tile. And, you know, what's interesting is I was actually just in Europe in February mm. and we were visiting around Spain and Italy, these old cathedrals, right, these ancient mm-hmm. cathedrals. And walking into these cathedrals, the tile work and the mosaics are stunning. And almost always the, the tiles are laid in that orientation of a, a diamond. And, um, and you walk into the, to the floors and it's just that diamond going out uh, and so there's there we we, we want to pay attention to what maybe you know our ancestors and and the ancients practiced with consciousness because they understood the effect that some of these maybe what we would consider now as more aesthetic qualities right. are actually really affecting our our inner nature and and our soul and and in the spaces that we uh, surround ourselves with so we're paying attention to that with the tile with the rounding out and smoothing out of the corners uh, with the colors absolutely beautiful it just it
0: feels good to be in here yeah and i know there are so many spaces so many buildings you know, for example, just walking into a big box retail store, mm. I I can feel I just don't feel very good being in some of those spaces. Absolutely. And uh, my goodness, what a what a tremendous opportunity we have to understand the ways we're being affected by our built environment mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to incorporate that going forward yeah. as much as possible.
1: And we and we worked uh, a big part of building this home was also learning the um, how to. In a sense, how to compromise the uh, contrast between our ideal, the ideal of the design, and then the practical implementation of that design into current uh, modes of construction. You know, working with contractors who have no uh, basis around you know an energetic qualitative uh, experience of building. You know, they just they're maybe coming from more of a place of efficiency. And we actually have to slow down the process and explain to them what we want to do and why we want to do it. Um, for example, the electrical that was run in this building, we actually um, submerged all the, the the wires, just the coating of the wires, and coated them in a product, hmm. um, and a, one of the Vita products that would help to mitigate some of the harmful effects of the EMF, the yep. electromagnetic field. Yep. That's created within a circuit of electricity. And so we look at, well, maybe in the ideal home, in terms of quality, we wouldn't have electricity mm-hmm. running beside us when we're sleeping, you know, or we wouldn't be so close in contact with electricity um, for how it affects our nervous system and and all these things. But we also recognize the utilitarian the helpfulness of electricity yeah. and that it helps us to do so many things in our life. So, how can we introduce a, a therapy that might help to um, round out, you know, and kind of uh, uh, harmonize some of the more harmful effects of the electricity? Um, so, but then we have to explain that to our electrician. Right, you right know, and, so This is new, and, and, <laughs>
0: new thing probably for some folks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, you know, some of the great. Uh, Uh, thinkers in the sustainability movement over the last several decades have been in different ways, whether it's in terms of building or in terms of uh, business operations and so forth, efficiency does not always equate to effectiveness. Mm -hmm. And when we're super focused on efficiency, yes we may achieve certain results within a very narrow kind of framework of what we're looking at or measuring or thinking about, But in terms of the effectiveness of our overall well-being as humans alive on the planet for hopefully several decades each, there's a whole different uh, measure really it seems in terms of quality Mm -hmm. and quality of life. You mentioned traveling in Europe. We know from our travels over there and uh, some of the maturation of of cultural norms in places like that, that, that there's more of an emphasis on quality versus efficiency or quantity or what have you. And here in the United States, we have a real need, a real challenge, and I think a real opportunity to orient our focus toward the quality.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And recognizing that for that quality, um, oftentimes it takes more time mm. and it takes more money and more mm-hmm. resources. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's part of our challenge too, you know? and. To speak to the construction industry, you know, these practices that are have become ingrained around efficiency and timelines and bottom line, you know, bottom line budgeting for homes that we live in yeah. is, I, I believe, you know, is, is a real problem. And actually, Rudolf Steiner, who, you know, was the foundation for Waldorf schools and for biodynamic farming... Yeah said back in 1920s and uh, in the in, around the turn of the century that more and more the, the one of the biggest problems for humanity will be the 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 spaces that we inhabit mm-hmm. and how they affect our psychic somatic well-being mm-hmm. um and we're we're seeing some more results as you mentioned around you know uh, mold infestations and in homes and stuff but we're not yet seeing on a larger scale discussions around the qualitative elements of how we live in the homes we live in and this is a recent development in the past 100 you know 200 years that we've been building homes as unconsciously mm-hmm. and as mm-hmm. uh, efficiently as we have been and yeah. seeing the materials that are being used Without the gratitude, without the welcoming, without the appreciation that our ancestors and people still around the world today have, Um, people, you know, I've heard the stories of you know the people in Africa who come together and they cob. They're they're building a home out of their you know clay and local resources because that's what they have. Uh, But there's an initiation for the building, and the building is treated. Uh, as a living being mm-hmm. that is, you know, uh, holding this family, right? Mm-hmm. And and it goes through its own stages of initiation of maybe not being painted for the first year, and once the families lived in the in the home for a year, and if they had a good year, then the home, then the community gathers around and will paint the home altogether. Um, and so these type of processes of barn raisings, you know, in the yep. Amish in yep. the Amish community. Of what is a barn raising and what is, how, how are these elements of community and appreciation um, and initiation uh, affecting the, the qualitative aspects. Not to mention, of course, barn raisings are generally timber frame homes you know, right. built from solid wood, uh, wood pieces. And in Africa, they're building with clay and straw and manure, and that all helps. But into this home, we really tried to bring some of those elements. So every time we introduced a preparation of product into the plaster, into the concrete, or we brought in, as you'll see upstairs, this amazing wood floor that was laid in, we, we, we tried our best to welcome the materials in and acknowledge that we were building together, collectively, an entity A building uh, and and the building was greater than the sum of the materials that we used to create it but it was a a combination of the the hard labor the hard effort that was put in by the workmen but also the whole community that was surrounding the building process Mm. Uh, even if they weren't physically involved they were witnessing it and they were holding it in their own meditative way as welcoming a, a, a home coming into existence
0: it's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, you know, this Greek word oikos, and uh it's that root word from which we get the word ecology. Curiously, we also get the word economy mm-hmm. from oikos. And oikos means home. And in ancient Greece we would refer to this as oikos. Mm-hmm. And in addition, you would have a front room like this one here. It would be called the oikos within the home, which had this implicit meaning of community, of receiving your neighbors and your guests. And I'm, I'm really struck that uh, in, in so many traditions and indigenous cultures, a home is just pregnant with uh, relationships of community. Mm. And when we look around uh, suburban America, like where I grew up, you, you, you have almost the opposite. There, there can be such an experience of isolation. Mm-hmm. And typically, I think, in this culture at this moment, a lot of us are living in places built by people we've never met. And what, a, what, a, what an incredible opportunity and insight we have here to, to reorient and really re-understand uh, what we're doing with, with places where we're spending a whole lot of our lives. Absolutely
1: yeah what we surround ourselves with and i think of that a lot is the when speaking to efficiency and effectiveness when a home is built you know in a couple months you know in, two, in 3 yep. months and it was maybe more cost effective it still sells for a lot and it's a lot to buy a home and yeah. and stuff but there's no living relationship to mm. the space as such and it, and more so i think more importantly culturally we are mm. not we're not holding the space for the spaces that we create to become space holders (laughs) and so we're just inhabiting buildings and maybe that oikos that real sense of home um, is missing in in a lot of ways but we also recognize that we bring that and we gift that sense of home Uh, but all of the, the nature that surrounds us wants Wants to participate in that and contribute to that, and we come from we live in the great home. And so, how can these spaces that we inhabit be a heightened sense of our connection um, and not an isolation and a, a detachment from nature and the life giving forces that surround us on this beautiful planet? It's
0: poetic stone. Yeah, you want to go upstairs? Let's head upstairs. Uh, it's
1: great man. We have a fireplace here in the yeah. center. Of this little fire. Place would heat the whole home um, uh-huh. in winter easily and we'll see this will be the first winter that uh, Mia is living in this home. She might not even need to heat it up because right. of the thermal properties. You've got, properties of you've the got whole, a lot of solar game. A lot of solar it. game and yeah. ther- thermal mass in the floor. And the woodwork and the cabinetry is exquisite. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And as we go up we'll see this beautiful this railing oh. with this theme of the Bringing in the plant kingdom in Look union that. with the mineral crystal that is uh, just kingdom. Beautiful. And these stairwells that were um, finished by a man named Nick, who works with us in Viva la Vida, did some fine finished uh, carpentry work on the stairs. And there were some resident artists who actually painted these geometric sequences and also lo- uh, local indigenous plants on the risers. So this is just fabulous you'll notice too as you come up the stairs this little uh, Madonna yeah and and Enzo Nostatti who lives in Italy is very familiar with the Madonnas Um, now this this little Madonna too is a part of a a therapeutic quality and part of that um, part of that is because this stairwell ideally would have turned the opposite way and so we just walked up the stairs and as we were walking up the stairs to the upper story we were turning to our left and we speak a lot we work a lot with the difference between this left turn this left hand turn and this right hand turn or a left hand vortex mm-hmm. and a right hand vortex and ideally when we are going upstairs we would actually be turning sunwise or to our right uh, in, in in a kind of uh, clockwise fashion mm-hmm. and in that orientation we're kind of preparing ourselves to enter up into uh, a higher perhaps uh, plane of consciousness uh, maybe more uh, a less dense materialistic everyday type of consciousness but maybe a more uh, preparation for sleeping as mm-hmm. the bedrooms are up mm-hmm. on this story it's more of an elevated state and when we enter back down onto the first story, we would want to go the opposite way mm. in the stairway, going to our left, turning counterclockwise. And so in this home, due to the layout of the bathroom and such, the stairwell wasn't able to be put in that orientation, yeah. and so the Madonna was put at this landing to kind of correct oh. that, um, that change. That's, yeah, that's a very powerful image to encounter on a daily basis. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, and with the different. form too, you see the yeah. implicate in in that form is that a cat cat catenary arch, yep. which is really powerful and uh, is used a lot at the eco village Novaterra uh, in Italy, where Enzo lives. Beautiful. So up here we have, as we come into this these upper stories, this beautiful wood floor mm-hmm. oriented again with this rhombus shape. This bone, a herringbone um, layout on the floor. And we have a sequence here also of um, three plus one, mm. this kind of three plus one. And we work with that um, numerology and symbology a lot in our esoteric schooling um, in spiritual science. And there's actually, these are two different kinds of wood. I believe it's um, a maple and oak. So three oak, one maple, three oak, and one maple. Um, And it was just an exquisite floor. Before the wood was actually put in place, we spent some time giving just a prayer, a welcoming with its origin Mm -hmm. um, before laying the floor. Beautiful. So we have two bedrooms here, one to the right, one to the left, a little office space, a um, lot of light coming in, finished woodwork, and then this bathroom that's on the right really is pretty exquisite as well, and the sh- especially the shower. So this was
0: in the uh the water quadrant of the
1: yes we're in the northwest Mm -hmm. portion of the house now Mm and i mean it's it's interesting to Mm -hmm. meditate on some of these um concepts and not just take it for a word but if you you know travel in the united states up into the northwest i lived for a little while up in olympian olympia washington it's like yeah there's a lot of water (laughs) there i like travel down into you know into the south and the southeast southwest yeah. and a lot of fire dryness or if you go into the northeast and sense just how rich in earth yeah. the fertility is and the farming that comes from there it's like these these elements are yeah. present in the direction so yeah we have a, a Chad who did this work and did a lot of great uh, work bringing in the kind of S and yin-yang made it so there's not a square mm. meeting in the corners of the shower. Mm. Um,
0: hmm.
1: Fabulous. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm struck just thinking that it was just a few months ago that Notre Dame burned. Yeah. And the, so many of us worldwide, millions and millions and millions of us, felt this ache, this, oh my gosh, something lost. Mm. And fortunately, the damage wasn't as uh, extensive as it could have been. But I'm curious because there's so much time and attention and, and understanding, really, of things like geometry and some of the more what we would call nowadays esoteric knowledge. But that's part of why a place like Notre Dame is so exquisitely valuable and important to us. And, my gosh, to have even just a bit of that intentionality and even we could call it spirituality in our homes what a difference that might make
1: absolutely and and, and perhaps what what an opportunity mm-hmm. and maybe a message it is to us that the old is beautiful but we can't rest on our laurels and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. in fact we need to keep moving forward mm-hmm. and we need to integrate um, what was past and what we've learned from the past with what is arising in the present and the future mm-hmm. and really lean into building new homes that are even more incredible and more appropriate for what, what we're living the times that we're living yeah. in now. Absolutely um, beautiful. And yeah. so we hope that this home can be an example of that, of uh, just the beginning of, we, there are some other homes now being constructed in Peonia, and we're really trying to imagine, you know, what, what will the homes of the future need to be that are really the homes of the present? Because mm-hmm. we need... New forces, mm-hmm. and, and to um, be re-inspired and reimagine our connection um, to each other and to to life, and
0: and it's such an essential theme. This is this is the 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 geist, if you will, of, of Rudolf Steiner of uh, taking from the past, learning from the past, but moving forward with an entirely new gnosis, really of what it means to be alive on the planet in these modern
1: times, yeah I was fortunate enough in February after d- between traveling in Spain and Italy to to travel to Basel in Switzerland mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to visit the uh, the Gertianum mm-hmm. in, in Dornach, Arslem and the Gertianum that's the second building um, at the headquarters of, of the anthroposophic Society. But to see the buildings that they've built in the surrounding community, not just the Gertianum, but the surrounding buildings um, that were built by Rudolf Steiner or designed by Rudolf Steiner. and The, the gestalt the, and, and the uniqueness of each building, but the, the tie, you see how they're all tied in together. And for me, it was especially uh, potent, but it was also almost like a glimpse into the future of like, wow, this is what this feels like it's come from a, a future time and not in like the futuristic sense of flying cars and stuff it's not george
0: jetson and no. all that stuff. <laughs> no but in
1: the, in the qualitative sense of uh, attention mm. appreciation uh, organic forms and also you know numerology and sacred geometry mm-hmm. that is so present um, and and it's like a, a new reverence a mm. new reverence for mm. home and building and place pattern and rhythm and my gosh yeah yeah yeah, color a lot of color Color. working with color Mm. yeah very nice
0: fabulous well let me just take a moment to mention uh to our viewers that of course this is the why on earth communities stewardship and sustainability podcast series and today we have such a delightful uh gift of an experience here touring this home with Stone Hunter, uh, having this experience. Um, and I want to be sure to mention too that if any of you would like to get in touch with Stone or learn more about this kind of uh, practice and approach to life, uh, you can go to viva la vida So it's v-i-d-a-l-a-v-i-d-a-foundation.org. We'll put that in the show notes. And I want to also uh, thank our sponsors who are making this uh, podcast and our Why on Earth? Community Mobilization work possible. Uh, This includes Patagonia, Waylay Waters, Purium, Earth Coast Productions, the Association of Waldorf Schools of North America, and the Lidge Family Foundation. So thanks to all of you for making this possible. And we want to thank our monthly donors. We have a growing community of folks who are giving on a monthly basis uh, at whatever level uh, works well for each of you. And uh, if you haven't yet joined our monthly giving program, you can go to whyonEarth.org to do that. And when you do that, we will send you a special code to unlock Unlimited free access to all of our ebook and audiobook resources. So it's a wonderful win-win for everybody. And uh, Stone, I, you know, you and I met at Sustainable Settings. We both worked there. Love spending time there. And we met in the context of agriculture, of growing food, of working with land. And I'm so struck by the interplay. And, of course, this pattern of the limniscate is important in a lot of this work. The interplay between agriculture, land, soil, even wilderness, and what we're doing in our built environments, in our urban, suburban uh, communities. And it seems that you are uh, living a a bridge, uh, a, a nexus between all of that. And it's just wonderful. To have this opportunity to converse with you and to hear some of the wisdom that you're not only holding in your heart and mind and sharing with folks as an educator, but you are literally embodying this into buildings. And I'm just curious if you might uh, riff on that a little bit, that connection between soil, land, agriculture and
1: buildings, built environment. Yeah. Yeah, well... For me, personally, I mean, part of my background was that I grew up, my father was a stonemason, and so I grew up doing stone patios and dry stack walls. And there was something so gratifying about such physical labor that was, um, that at least would last my lifetime, (laughs) and that I could, uh, you know, go back two years later and say, oh yeah, I laid this stonework, I built this wall. Um, and that comes, you know, in my heritage, too, of a family of builders. Mm. Um, and so growing up with that kind of work ethic was important for me and very physical. Um, and when I started getting into agriculture more and milking cows every day and harvesting vegetables and, and working with the land, I was I really tuned in then to the rhythmical sense and the, mm. and the rhythm of the seasons. And my, you know, my sleep changed, my body changed as I attuned myself through the animals, through the plants and the land and the compost to mm. living with the season. Mm. Um, and, and at the same time, so much of that process, too, was um, working within the natural world and creating, uh, and, and especially in the world of domestication, right? Mm. With mm. domesticated cows and sheep, uh, horses, you know, and dogs and mm. honeybees. Mm. Um, and so there's in, in that uh, zone of domestication, we have the meeting of the the wild, so to speak, with the human element, mm. and and the, there's that area that's been created between them. And so coming into building for me is like, in a sense, we're we're it, we can also place in these quadrants in our four quadrants this relationship between the mineral kingdom and the earth, the plant kingdom. And the watery element the animal kingdom and what we call the air element and the human element that we associate with the fire and so in agriculture it was like i was able to really in some way work the full spectrum between the animals the plants and the minerals but coming into building now it's almost pretty direct Mm -hmm. from the human it's like pretty much human and mineral to some extent we get to Mm -hmm. work with wood that's coming from the living but is already dead or metal, you know, in this way. And it's like, kind of from the the most inert to the most living. And so as humans, the homes that we build is completely, in a sense, outside of the sphere of something that nature can create on its own. And I love to milk a cow or grow a plant and be a part of just stewarding nature to do its its own thing, but I think we really sense in our, in our built environment that this is where the human element is creating something almost completely out of itself mm-hmm. in connection, obviously, with the resources that are available. But if we look at this home, it's like we try to introduce elements of golden mean ratios, you know, say, or, or things we would find in nature, but this is something that would never be created out of out of uh, nature by itself so I've been really more interested increasingly interested in the human in our capacity as humans to um, raise to to introduce something new um, that is in harmony with natural laws um, with natural geometries you know in, in resonance with that but is also a gift can become a gift and we do this when we make the biodynamic preparations, you know, and we introduce something, a a new synthesis um, that nature could never achieve by itself by introducing our creativity, Mm -hmm. our joy um, and our imagination into the back into the natural natural world, inspired by it, but we we take it through us and create a new synthesis with what's available to uh, elaborate it. And then gift it back to the environment um, and to all the kingdoms. So, this is the, the kind of weaving that I've been working with in terms of agriculture and the season, seasonal rhythm, and then the more um, solid based, you know, um, built environment um, and, uh, and human world that is increasingly um, becoming more and more visible. And And perhaps we could say. You know, the, the current is, that that's the way things are going. There's more, more humans, more and more built environment. And so in the stream of permaculture, you know, um, anthroposophy, why not recognize that that's the movement that things are going, but we have a choice in how we build yeah. these environments and how we engage with what we are choosing to create for our, for our sustenance. Um, and for our communities Mm -hmm. but integrate it in such a way that it is harmonic Mm -hmm. and it is in resonance with the natural laws that uh, created us and sustain us. It's absolutely beautiful. It, It makes me think that one of
0: our opportunities as we're talking about different aspects and dimensions of stewardship and sustainability is to reorient our thinking about we humans on this planet, right? So many of us think of us as a scourge or we are a virus, and sure, you can find those kinds of patterns. What I'm hearing on this other hand is, what if we are the creative gifts? What if we become the gestures of stewardship, of care, of joy, of creativity? And in the biodynamic world, of course, we hear more and more that we humans are the preparation. And there's this this relationship that I know is held sacred in so many cultures and is all around the planet of we humans being here to be good, great stewards of this place and of each other in our communities. And the way you're describing this stone, it just it, it creates for me a beautiful, a hopeful, a realistic, a grounded vision of where we get to be in our culture what we get to create together if, if we so choose
1: absolutely and i think that sto- the story that we choose mm. is powerful mm. it's really powerful and the orientation we take within ourselves within our family within our community of our hearts and our minds and and i think it's very needed at this time mm. to to illumine some alternative stories um That are ancient but also new uh, and being renewed around this piece of the human being as as a gift and as a steward and as a a co-creator you know in life and we have maybe a lot more power than than we've ever dreamed of Um, and rightfully so we're just gradually awakening to that so all the the full, spectrum, the full spectrum is needed, but that we can gradually mature as a species and mm. recognize how infantile we have been and maybe we've gone through this phase of real forgetfulness and maybe there is a gift in that, but now we are emerging and reawakening to the capacities we have to gift life, to bestow life, mm. and to steward it in right relation. Mm. and uh yeah maybe we all take take that to heart in whatever way we choose in that freedom um but it's a gift it's a real gift to be here and so thank you for asking me to, <laughs> to share a bit with you and yeah, uh I'm really grateful to continue the work and for all those listening uh, we'd love to be in touch and we know the network is growing, and so many individuals are really finding their niche and their individual calling into the work that they uh, feel that they have come here to do. Um, and we want to connect those the, and link link more and more networks and, and uh, see what is arising in, in different parts of the world. Absolutely
0: beautiful. Well, to things like that, I like to say, "Amen, Aho, So mote it be," and. Uh, what, a, what an exquisite uh, uh, afternoon to spend with you, Stone. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you.
2: The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code y on Earth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.